What do you think of when you hear the word grace? Some people just consider, you know, it's a name of a person that I know. Some people think it's the routine prayer that we pray uh, before we uh, eat our meal. But in the practice of Christian faith, grace is so much more than that. In the practice of our Christian faith, grace is less of the routine thing we do before we nourish ourselves. Grace is more like the meal itself that we eat to nourish us to be able to live the Christian life. Grace describes the innumerable ways uh, that God shows us his kindness and his favor. Grace is proof that God is with us and that God is for us. Grace is not a reward that we've earned. It's a gift that's freely given in Jesus that's received by faith. Grace is what the thief that hung on the cross received by faith. Grace is what the rich young ruler could not accept because he trusted in his own works and would not believe the promise that Jesus offered him. This Easter, we are considering Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler from Matthew chapter 19. And this interaction is showing us that Jesus allows us to be able to redefine how we measure what it means to find a happy life. Having asked last time we were together uh, the question, how can I finally be happy? Today on Good Friday, we want to ask and answer the question, why is it so difficult to find true happiness? The passage today, Matthew chapter uh, 19, verse 23 to verse 25, describes two problems that we can encounter in the pursuit of a happy life. And I'd like us together to read the whole passage from Matthew chapter 16, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to verse 26. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. And behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come Follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, I want to believe with all of my being what Jesus said. All things are possible with God. 
Father, we often look for our happiness and our sense of self-worth and our security in the things that you've created and miss what you, the creator yourself, can offer to us. Thank you that we can finally find a true happiness by being made whole in relationship with you. But even in relationship with you, I recognize that it's difficult, Lord. It's difficult for me to be able to enjoy the true happiness you can offer, the real abundance, the real hope of everlasting life. But I want to live this good life. And I desire that everyone listening would also find this themselves. So God, in this time and on this day, as we remember the sacrifice that you gave by willingly dying on the cross, Father, would you give us clarity to see what true life and a good life and a happy life really looks like following your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is it so difficult to find a true happiness? This passage described two problems that we can encounter in the pursuit of happiness. The first problem that we see is incompatible standards. The world and our culture and the way that it says we should live, is incompatible with God and the design that he has for what a truly happy life looks like. Our cultured standards of happiness are incompatible with God's design. Let's remember what the rich young man was looking for that we learned last week. He wanted to be saved from his circumstances and find eternal life by entering into God's kingdom. But this seemed odd to his peers, that he would want to be rescued from his circumstances because from their perspective, he had the life that they all wanted. He had a successful life. He had a respected life. He had a, he was trying his best to live a moral life and, and please God. But still, in his heart, this rich man, this young man, this influential, powerful man still knew that he was lacking. He still felt insecure. He still felt lost. He still felt empty. So you can have everything that money can buy and still not be filled up with what your soul really craves. Maybe that's how you feel. Maybe that's what you know, but maybe you know you're not living that way. Jesus told this man there was a way that he could be made perfect. Not perfect as in flawless, perfect as in made complete, perfect as in made whole. Perfect as in filling up what you know you're lacking. There is good news. There is a way that we can be finally happy. We're all created in God's image. And God designed how life works. Jesus taught that true happiness won't be found by adding more and better things. True happiness is being made whole in relationship with the God who created you. That's how any human being can find a truly happy, good, abundant life with the promise of everlasting life. But this man, when told what would be required, he wouldn't have it. He, he wouldn't want to part with his things, and he left sorrowful. Then Jesus explained to the disciples how difficult this really is in the pursuit of happiness. Let's look at the text again, verse 23. We'll see again this uh, incompatibility, the difficulties. 
And Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? The first problem is that we have incompatible standards. Finding true happiness is so difficult because our culture standards of happiness is incompatible with God's design for happiness. Okay, well, why? Why is that the case? Well, I'd like to be able to explain this in a way that I hope will persuade you based on our lived experience and based on uh, biblical teaching. See, what we want in a successful life, a respected life, uh, living a good life, isn't necessarily those things itself. It's not that we want the successes of a career or, or the respect or uh, being a good moral person. What we want is the promises those things offer. See, a wealthy life, a successful life, a respected life, an apparently good or moral life offers the promise of comfort and pleasure and security. That's what we want. Having these things offers these promises, but our lived experience right now in this crisis is showing us what the rest of the developing world, who doesn't have the prosperity that we have in Western countries, knows all the time. This crisis is showing us that we are fragile people and we live in a vulnerable society. And all of our pursuit of wealth and prosperity to find our pleasure and to find our self-worth and to find our security, it, it can't really offer us what it says it can. As of April 1st, one million Canadians had already applied for employment insurance in Canada because they lost their jobs. Another poll found out that 44% of all Canadian households had either lost their job or had significantly reduced hours as a result of this crisis. A research agency, the Canadian Centre for Poli Policy Alternatives, they project that that number of unemployment at one million could jump up to five million. And Canada's population is only 37 million. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you're drowning under a waterfall of fear because your lifeboat has been stripped away through this crisis and you've crashed down over the waterfall. Maybe that's not you, though. Maybe you're still sitting comfortable. You still have your job, you still have your paycheck, and you still have a lot of savings. But maybe still, you are now living in your own vacation world, in your own exceptionally large house, but all of the Netflix and all of the nice um, made-to-go meals and all of the amenities that you've earned yourself still isn't satisfying, and you still feel empty. There's good news. The Bible does teach that our culture standards are incompatible with God's design, but there's good news. See, this is our lived experience. Let me show you what the Bible teaches on the difference between our culture standards and God's design. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says this. As for the rich in this present age, and that's pretty much all of us, if we live in a Western society, 
we have immense riches compared to the rest of our world. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us everything we need to enjoy. See, all the good desires that we have for a life of pleasure and for a life of uh, comfort and for a life of security, God offers us what we need. And it doesn't mean that we need to have more things It's from God himself. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Be content in social, physical distancing. Be content staying at home. Be content waiting for the government to give you your money. Be content relying on the charity of others. Be content relying on God Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? For he, God, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The pursuit of happiness and getting more and better things is only uncertain and can fail us. But God has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Christian, God is with you. And for those of you who are curious about Christianity and skeptical about faith, the promise of God's presence with us is the security of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when he was still on earth that he would go back to the Father in heaven, but that he would give his followers the Holy Spirit so that we might be with him always with the promise that one day he will take us to be with him where he is always. God will never leave you or forsake you. Our money will fail us. Our pursuit of prosperity will fail us. But the young rich ruler wanted both. He wanted to be approved by God and he wanted uh, to live by the cultured standards. He wanted God's design and he wanted his successes. But Jesus says in another passage, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So those desires you have aren't inherently bad. They're from our own soul and God put them there because he made us in his image. What is bad for our soul is seeking to fulfill those desires and seek those desires in the created things rather than from the creator himself who made us in his image to have relationship with him. Our creator designed us to find our wholeness in him. And Jesus said that it's outrageous to think that you can find these things in the world. It's outrageous to think that we can find them in the culture standards. It's outrageous, like trying to think that you can squeeze a camel, which was the biggest animal in Jesus' culture, through the eye of a needle. It's outrageous, like in our culture, thinking that you can downsize from a four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath detached home, fit all of your belongings into one moving van, and then drive up to your new uh, uh, two-bedroom, single-bathroom bungalow, and then think that you aren't just going to fit all of your belongings into the bungalow, but that you can actually drive the moving van itself through the front door into the bungalow. 
Jesus is intentionally trying to be funny here. It's outrageous. It's outrageous to think that we can reconcile these irreconcilable ideas. Our culture standards and God's design are incompatible. True happiness won't be found in adding more and better things. True happiness is only found when we are made whole in a relationship with God. Jesus' followers heard this. They heard about the, the camel and the needle, and they're just shocked. They are dumbfounded because they wanted what this guy had. And they thought, if he has everything we envy, but if he can't get what he wants through that, how can any of us have the hope to be able to have a good and happy and abundant and everlasting life? Well, we need to then recognize the second problem. The first problem that makes the pursuit of happiness so difficult is that we've incompatible standards. The second problem that Jesus expresses is that we have impossible expectations. Look at verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. See, this rich young man made the impossible expectation of thinking that money could be his Messiah. He made the impossible expectation that his own success could be his savior. See, trusting in our own effort is the opposite of grace. Grace is the innumerable ways that God shows us his favor and kindness. Grace is not a reward earned, it's a gift received, not by works, but by faith. And this man was expecting out of his works what he could only find by God's grace. He was trying to quench his spiritual thirst by drinking the salt water of his own effort rather than looking to the living water and the fresh water of God's grace. You can't expect to be your own savior. You can't expect that you can get yourself out of these circumstances of emptiness when your creator offers you a true way. Maybe you've been trying though. Maybe you got it all, but you're sitting alone in your home and you still know that you have nothing even though you're surrounded with everything you could dream of. Maybe you left the church at one point because you lived your entire youth in, with one foot in two worlds in the standards of our culture and in God's design, but eventually when you were able to get out of home, you just decided to turn away in the cultured standards and you thought you, all the promises of the world could fulfill you, but it's only left you empty. Maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel lacking. But friend, there is good news. No matter how you got to where you've come to, Jesus can bring you to the place where you want to be. You can be made whole. It is possible to find everlasting, abundant, good, and happy life that God offers. And it is abundant. It is everlasting. It is happy. It is fulfilling. It is satisfying. 
Psalm chapter 16 says that when we listen to God's way and follow his word, our hearts can be glad, our whole being can rejoice, our, our bodies can dwell secure, uh, we won't be given up to the brokenness of this world. We will have the fullness of life in Jesus and we will have the promise of fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. These are not ideals that are beyond our reach. They are promises that true Christians for 20 centuries since Jesus died on the cross have found when they have died to themselves and lived to the life of Jesus Christ and you can find them too. They are not too far off from you. And the hope of being able to find it is recognizing that what is impossible with man is possible with God. You've been putting expectations on your own shoulders and on this culture that have weighed you down and crushed your legs under you. What's impossible with man is possible with God. See, the difference between what's possible for us and what's possible for God is the difference between working for your graduation date and working for your delivery date. A lot of effort goes into get ready for graduation day. Four years of hard academic labor. But then when those four years are done and the final exams are over, you walk down the aisle in your fancy regalia you stand on your own two feet before the university chancellor on the merit of your own grades that you earned yourself, and she hands you your diploma and says, congratulations, you earned it. But you'd put no effort on your delivery date, on the day that you were born. It didn't depend on you at all. You did nothing to be conceived. You did nothing to be carried for nine months in the womb. You did nothing on the delivery date itself to be brought into the world, and your mom deservedly gets all of the congratulations because she did all the work, but because of her work, you have life. See, we are trying to find our happiness working like it's our graduation date when we can only rely on the work of another to find our happiness and our true abundant life, like on our delivery date. No one enters the kingdom of God standing on their own two feet, boasting in their own accomplishments. The only people who enter into the kingdom of God and find everlasting, abundant, good, and happy life are those who carried into the kingdom of God by the work of another. This is grace. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3, unless you become like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, he said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. See, a self-made man thinks that they've earned everything they've gotten and they can stand on their own two feet before God. A child knows that there's nothing that they've done to receive the love and kindness that their parents give them. And because they know they're just loved, they rely on them more. They cling to them more. They want to be carried. They want to be fed. They want to rely on their parents. 
Jesus taught that true happiness won't be found by adding more things and better things as a self-made man. True happiness is found when we are made whole in relationship with God. And the only possible way to be made whole in relationship with God is to be made new as a child of God. Stop acting like we are self-made people, self-made man, self-made woman standing on my own two feet. But like a child, lift your arms up and wrap your feet around the waist of your father and let him carry you by his grace, not by your own works. See, we're all created by God, but we're not all children of God. Who is a real child of God? See, every human being has made the choice to live by the incompatible standards of our culture. Every human being, myself included, have chosen to follow the impossible expectations of being our own savior. This choice to turn from God's design into the cultured standards and to turn from God as our savior and make the impossible expectation of being our own savior, this choice to turn away is called sin. And sin has alienated us from our relationship with God. Sin has emptied us when we could be whole in relationship with God. And as long as we are following the way of sin, we can never be made whole in relationship with God. But the story of Easter is the story of good news. The story of the cross is the story of grace. The story of Easter is the way that God reunites us into relationship with him as his loved children. See, when Jesus died on the cross, some of the last words that he said were, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was alienated from relationship with the Father. He never sinned. But when he suffered on the cross, he died in our place for our sins. He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. He was rejected by the Father in our sin so that we could be accepted by the Father in his righteousness. We can be reunited. So how does that happen? It happens by grace. Grace overcomes any difficulty. Grace is the innumerable ways that God shows us his kindness and his favor. Grace is not a reward earned. It is a gift given, received by faith in Jesus. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight to nine says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man may boast. Stop boasting like you're working for your graduation day so that you can walk down the aisle and be accepted into the kingdom of God. Start relying on your father as a child, not on what you do to find your own everlasting, abundant, good, and happy life, but based on what he has done by suffering for our sins so that we can be saved from our sins and reunited into relationship with him. If we're going to be able to find this, if we're going to see grace overcome the difficulty of our own self-righteousness, of our own self-efforts, we need to repent and believe. Repent. Stop placing your hope in the empty promises of this world and your own ability to accomplish them. Admit that by following this way, you've broken God's law and you do need forgiveness. Believe. 
Believe in your heart that Jesus died in your place on the cross. Believe that he died the death you deserve. Believe that he rose from the dead so that you could have new life, reborn as a child of God. This takes humility. Admitting that I don't stand on my own two feet. I'm carried into the kingdom by the grace of God as a child of God. True happiness won't be found by adding more and better things. True happiness is found when we are made whole in relationship with God and you can be made whole today. The only possible way to be made whole in relationship with God is to be made new as a child of God. Today, I would urge you, friends, repent. Stop placing your hope in yourself. Believe, trust that Jesus' way can make you new and make you whole. If you feel like the rich young ruler felt, insecure, lost, empty, and sad, I want you to know that God loves you. Wherever you are today, sitting in your mansion by yourself with all your things or sitting in a basement apartment without a paycheck, God loves you as you are even now. But even if you've been living with the incompatible standards, maybe you've been living seeking impossible expectations, today is the day to withdraw your hope and your trust out of the account of your own effort and deposit it into the bank of grace. And when you do, you will see God give a gift and yield a return of the hope of everlasting life with the promise of abundant life, good life, and a happy life now as you live in harmony and have a relationship with the God who created you. It's impossible to be saved by your own effort like the rich young ruler, but like the thief who hung on the cross, we can be saved by grace through faith.